Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winging It podcast. This time it's not Fun One, it's Fun Marie, which is much better. Some people might think, <laughs> apart from Adam Dickinson, but he's not here. Instead, we've got Joe <laughs> Ellis, who's my colleague at the Checkered Flag. He's also writing for the GB, GB Speedway team. It's great to have him on. And we've also got Freddie Coates, who's very excited ahead of the Fun Marie season, which restarts on Wednesday. Two races on Wednesday and Thursday, then Saturday and Sunday, then next Wednesday and next Thursday. So basically every day at six o'clock UK time. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to be racing in Berlin. Uh, they're going to use three different track layouts, two races on each layout, for those who didn't know. Freddie, do you think this is the right idea? Because they could have raced at permanent tracks, but they decided to do it this way. Well, what, what do you think about that? I think it is the right idea. They're sticking to what Formula E is. They're going to attract their contract to have a race anyway, which is is going to probably save them a lot of legal trouble anyway as well in the in the in the small print. But that's not the exciting part. The exciting part is that they can have three track layouts and stay as a residency at the same place, which as a as a closed door COVID precaution is fantastic. We've seen um, Formula One has been doing that. They have stayed at Austria for two races, staying at Silverstone for two races. So it's clearly a much better feasible idea for them to stay in the same place. And they're able to do it in Berlin with more uh, possibilities there. I think it's great. And the Berlin original layout is brilliant in its own right, I think. Mm-hmm. And Joe, do you think that's the right idea as well? Or should Fonry have maybe used a chance to race on permanent tracks? No, I think it's it's the right decision to stay there the great beauty of the temple off airport is it's an airport there's no distinct road layout that they have to they have to follow they can do whatever they like they could have the whole runway as a straight if they wanted to uh, but yeah this these six races the only thing i'm worried about is the fatigue of drivers and teams with mm. six races in such a short uh, space of time it could really take its toll certainly towards the the back end yeah, and we've really the championship is still wide open, even though Antonio Felix da Costa leads the way over Mitch Evans. How many drivers, Freddie, do you think are still in championship con- contention with, with six races t- left to go? Well, I think definitely the top sort of seven or eight, uh, all definitely, you know, you'd look at them with a bit more favouritism. But I think the majority of dri- majority of drivers in the top 10 are going to be. Because what Sam Bird and Sebastian Buemi are down tenth and eleventh, I think, in the standings, they're not ones to count out. So I think the majority of drivers on the field are going to be trying to go for the title, and they still can. There's still half this over half the season to go. I mean, we're thinking of it as a big conclusion, but that's just because it's it's a finale race after finale race after finale race. It's brilliant, and I think it's it's going to be hard to really talk about a championship tilt for for most drivers until the last two races but then they'll suddenly put themselves into contention Degrassi when he won his season um, he was what 22 points away from Buemi when they went into Montreal and they had a double header there and then he, he won the championship so there can be swings and roundabouts in Formula E and I think there will be yeah, and, and Joe, Fonry isn't like Formula 1 where Mercedes clearly have the best car. Fonry, the field is much closer. Do you think there's a team or car or driver that has an advantage over the rest of the field, or, or maybe two or three drivers? I don't know if it's enough an advantage 
to be as far ahead as Mercedes are in, in F1. As you say, you're not going to see a driver go and win by 20 odd seconds unless you Mitch Evans in Mexico. Um, but I think you're looking at Sachita with their certainly driver lineup pre season. They were billed as the team to beat, and Felix, Antonio Felix da Costa, your championship leader, had John Eric Vernon had perhaps more luck in the first few races. Uh, I'd think they'd be well clear. But you can't look past the, the German contingent of mm. Porsche, Mercedes, BMW. They might not be the quickest now, but if you give them enough time and they've got the resources, they could become dominant in the years to come. Yeah, and Freddie, do you think there's a team that is out there who's better? Because I think for me, BMW or Techita yeah. just about have a small, small advantage if they can get everything together over the weekend. Yeah, I think you're right. BMW to teacher and I think Jaguar, you can throw them in there as well, definitely with Mitch yeah. Evans. Um, they've been, they've all, all of those teams have won races and they've all put in very good showing across the season. Uh, Mitch Evans, I think, and Antonio Felix da Costa, they're obviously one and two of the championship. So they're, they, they know what they're doing really. And I think BMW, I think, have been the sort of fastest car out of the blocks this year. Uh, they were fast in testing and Alex Sims became the first driver to get three pole positions if you count in New York as well in informally history in a row. And I think BMW are ones to watch, definitely, because I think people, they're, they're very, they're quietly third and fourth in the championship, Sims and Gunter. So I think they're, they're definitely going to be well in the fight. Mm, um, the Berlin track, in previous years, it suited Audi and Lucas Degrassi. I think he's won there on a few occasions he got disqualified one year but ultimately he still crossed the line first how do you rate the grass's chances he's one of the most well he is the most experienced driver on the grid along with I think Bird and Buemi and a few few others do you think the racing at Berlin is going to give them a lifeline because Audi haven't been quite as, as uh, quite as strong as other teams this year Joe um I don't know if it's an Audi thing or if it's uh, perhaps a, a German German team thing. I know Audi raised their game in front of their, their home crowd and when you know, it was a couple of years ago, Daniel Apt destroyed the field yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Berlin. He seemed to just really, really enjoy it. Uh, and it was actually him racing as well, not someone else he drafted in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get yeah, on to that. So I, don't, I, don't, I think Audi will be strong, but I don't think they'll be as strong as they have been in, in previous years, I can still see it being incredibly close with five or six teams, 10 or so drivers, you know, not much to separate them at all. Degrassi's not out of it. Degrassi's not out of it. He's fifth in the championship still. I mean, he, he's, he's one you can never discount ever, I think, with Degrassi. He's, he's, yeah. such a, he's such a wily operator. He knows what he's doing and he can get into people's heads. And you can see with what he's been saying recently is that he's really playing the team game with Rene Rast. And he's getting him on side. He said in an interview in a press conference the other day that um, already he thinks Rast is one of the, the best assets to the team, that kind of thing, that he's, that he's the most data-hungry driver he's ever seen. He's come in, he's really changed the team and he's helped. And he said that with Rene Rast sat, well, on the same Zoom call as him. So he, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to operate does Degrassi. And I think he's one who is always, always going to be in the hunt till the end. I think Rene Rast, uh, as you touched on, he's a great driver. I've been 
ever since he was in Porsche Super Cup, I think in 2011-2012, he dominated that series, then moved on to GT racing with Audi. So it would be really interesting to, interesting to see if he can get, get up to speed quickly in Formula E. He is replacing Daniel Apt, who has changed teams. Uh, we all, well, if you don't know, Daniel Apt uh, was forced to leave Audi because he basically cheated, kind of, by using, well, yeah. he, he took part in the Formula E sim race, but it wasn't him. So then Audi didn't really like it. And they booted him. So, uh, yeah, what do you think that was the right decision for Maldi? Um, I think I think so. I think it's it's not necessarily the competition. I don't think Audi would have bothered if they would won that or not. I think it was the honesty of it more than anything. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Daniel Lapp's life would change if he'd have come last in an E race, if compared to first. Uh, I don't not really sure what the thinking was was behind it. Was it his brand that he wanted to? Increase thing, making everyone think that he was an amazing sim racer. I don't know what the thinking behind it, but he's he's very lucky the fact that Martin Guar can't travel to yeah. to rugby's do, and he's got he's got a second chance, albeit in let's be honest, the worst car uh, on the grid. But he has got the chance to sort of mend some of the bridges that he burnt over over the off season. You say yeah. mend the bridges, but he just put on his Instagram story him walking past the Audi garage playing. Um, Guess he's back, back again on his Instagram story and just laughing about it. So, I mean, I think he's a little bit sour, obviously. He was just doing it as a bit of fun. He kind of is a bit of a misunderstanding for the, um, for the seriousness that some people were taking the Race at Home Challenge. And he was going, I think he was going for his YouTube with the Sim Racer. And he gave the Sim Racer, who had been doing pretty well in the, the Sim Racing Race at Home Challenge, he gave him the opportunity to race against real Formula E drivers, which is nice, but obviously wasn't the wasn't what wasn't the the impetus for the for the series. And it, yeah, Audi wants to be squeaky clean and honesty at the moment. They don't want to um, have anything going against them. They've had previous emission scandals and stuff in the past, so they want they they want to be clean slate. And I mean, some people have said it's an excuse to get rid of. That's what I was going to say. I, I think I think it was. You know, I think it just speeded up the process because he he's been okay, hasn't he, in Formula E? But I, I am surprised he, he's kept his seat at Audi for this long. To be honest, so, you say that, but the the team name is Audi Sport Apt Schaefer. His surname's in the in the team name. It's you know, it's like you wouldn't see. I doubt Lance Stroll's going to be dropped for <laughs> over Sergio Perez if there's a state seat belt racing point. You know the. The team ownership is a large part of, yeah. of why he's still there, and he's not been terrible, but he's he's been nowhere near Degrassi's level for the five years they've been together. It wasn't yeah. even a works Audi team f- for season one and two; it was just Team Act. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's a good point, actually. Uh, we've got lots of driver changes. I can't remember them. Freddie, can you talk us through who's, who's changed teams? Because <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I haven't done my research. This is going to be a monologue of the ages. So we've spoken about the apt controversy. So if you start there, apt is out. Um, the replacement being DTM reigning champion Rennie Rast, who won yesterday in Spa, actually, um, for the opening DTM weekend there. He, that's pretty good for him. And, he, um, and then the next big bombshell move, which was reported by the race, was that Pascal Verlein was has ended his contract early with Mahindra 
he um, was due to stay there for 2021 as well, but he asked to leave and the expected reasons that he's going to go to Porsche for season seven, replacing Neil Jarney, who is going to finish the season at Porsche here. So Pascal Verlein will not be on the grid in Berlin for any of the races. So that's his season six com- com- complete, kaput. And the driver brought in to replace Pascal Verlein was Alex Lynn, who never seems to get a full Formula E season because he came in half after round five last year to replace... Nelson Piquet Jr. So Alex Lynn is now here with a hell of a chance to get his name back in there because he was just a reserve driver for Jaguar. Um, and then moving on to Jaguar, they, Sam Bird has announced that he's leaving Virgin, who he's been with since race one, season one. He's, he's leaving them and is going to move to Jaguar to partner Mitch Evans in season seven, which will be a mega lineup. Definitely one of the best lineups in Formula E history, I think that with the form Evans is in, the form Jaguar is in, and the form Bird is always in, is going to be just ridiculous. I don't know what anyone else is going to do. Um, so that's good. Collado looks like he's out of the seat then. Um, yeah. I th- there's a lot Collado's more. missing the last two races, isn't he? Oh, is he missing all of them? Tom Blomquist, what well, it says on, on here that I've got, Tom Blomquist will be replacing Collado for, That's right. for the Berlin rounds. I only yeah. heard it was the last two rounds because I thought it was something to do with um, the wet ground Gosh. at Spa. Um, but Buemi, I think, is still taking part. Uh, but, but that's because yeah. Hartley is now left Dragon. So Hartley can go and do the practice oh, stuff. But, too much. I'm <laughs> getting confused. At Spa. Um, Buemi can stay at Nissan for that, those rounds, and then we'll go at, from FP3 at Spa and WEC. Um, yeah, and I think you're right with Blomkvist. He's, he, all I've seen is that he's been officially announced as a reserve driver, but I've seen headlines saying that he will be replacing Collado for some of it. I don't know if it's all of it. That will be a bit, bit, bit sad for Collado. He hasn't really had a chance to show himself, I think, in Formula E. But anyway, he's out. Um, and yeah, Hartley is, has has had a break, breakdown of relationship with Penske Dragon and they've called up Sergio Sete Camera, who um, was former um, McLaren reserve driver, is a Red Bull reserve driver in their junior program now, is going to be competing with them in his Formula E debut. And yeah, we said Daniel Apt is going to Neo to replace Martin yeah. Hua, who doesn't feel like it's safe for him to travel from China to Germany, which is, and a lot of the Chinese contingent of Neo have are going to be based in China as well. So it's going to be an operation for Neo across continents, really. Mm. And I think the reason all of this is happening is because of the contracts ending at the end of June yeah. and stuff, so then drivers can move. So this isn't normal if you move to Formula E. This is just a one-off thing, hopefully. But there are a lot of, of driver changes. Uh, out of those new or returning drivers, who do you think will perform the best, Joe? Um, it's, I think Alex Lynn, having had the experience, is probably going to be the quickest out of the block of those four or five just mentioned. But I'm I'm quite excited to see how Sergio Sete Camera does because he yeah. last year in Formula Two he was really good. Uh, alongside Latifi, I I thought he was going to make a move towards uh, IndyCar in in North America, uh, but that didn't happen. And he's been out of a 
drive ever since, really. He's not uh, had a great deal of racing, although you could argue no one has with the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he might raise a few eyebrows and potentially, early prediction, I might think he might push Super Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah, they've got oh. the perfect opportunity, don't they, with the group qualifying. Yeah. In so the camera yeah. rust will be right there, just no points straight for it. Yeah. Well, the last uh, time I saw Rast race was in a DTM last year, I think, uh, and he was upside down at the Lausitz ring. So hopefully, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never seen a touring car driver say they're okay through the roof of their car before. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but hopefully it goes better for him uh, this week. He's good. Yeah, good as Rast. Yeah. Do you, do you, how well do you think Rast can do, Freddie? I, I think he can do really well. He's obviously there as a number two to Degrassi for this bit of the year um, for next season I reckon he'll be able to come in and just be fantastic all these rookies they've got um, sort of the best opportunity to be a rookie which is um, you've got the pressure obviously of such a weird situation with the closed event but you've got a re- you've got six races in nine days that's going to be you know oh, I can I, I made this small mistake in race one um, I can iron that out immediately tomorrow and then okay I've, I've got this little trick now in the car and then you can go in and go in and go in and rather than having like consistent simulator performances it's it, you're having consistent race performance to raise your game and by the end of this uh, season I think the, these three rookies won't really be rookies they'll just be mm. they'll be solid Formula E drivers and I wouldn't be uh, maybe if one of them gets a podium I wouldn't be surprised if it's next week hmm that's interesting. Uh, do you think so? You talked about how the drivers they're, t- they're going to get up to speed quite quickly, even though uh, we've had a long break. What are the other factors that will be important for the championship contenders? Because there's some of six races. Do you think it will be about who makes the least amount of mistakes and they will go on to win win the title? Joe. Um. I don't, the thing is, the, the top two in the title chase are quite, in Formula E terms, quite far away. Mm. I mean, it's, it's only 10 points between second and third, which might not sound a great deal, but it's usually one point between five yeah. hmm. uh, in Formula E a lot of the time. I think it's going to mainly be, certainly to start with, just accumulating points. It's not, with so many races in a short space of time, don't wreck your car on the first race. Yeah. Uh, don't Don't give your mechanics a lot of work to do when it might not necessarily be uh, needed, let's say. So I think whoever can get enough consistency and, of course, speed as well. Can't, I mean, Martin Glau was consistent, but he was consistently last. But it didn't really matter. <laughs> you know, if you, whoever can keep themselves at the front for as, as long as possible will come away as champion. Yeah, yeah. I think Joe touched on it at the beginning of the podcast. The fatigue for the drivers and the teams is going to be ridiculous. I mean, it, some people would have been comparing it to something like Le Mans, but Le Mans is at least over after 24 hours. This is this is just race after race after race. You've got to be on it. They're sprint races as well, so you've got to be on it for uh, 45 minutes every day, pretty much, and and a lap. And that's just going to be really hard for all the drivers and the teams to focus and the cars. The the batteries are going to be normally have a what three or four weeks off between mm-hmm. between the races and it's just one day maybe a double header like you would have in uh, scheduled for this year in London and you had in, in Saudi Arabia 
but this is going to be three double headers back to back double headers and the cars are going to be if you are going to be really really difficult i think to look after for that length of time yeah reliability yeah go on joe i wonder if the time of the day of the race as well might make a difference i don't think formula you've ever raced at it'll be 7 p.m i believe local time Mm -hmm. i don't know if they've raced that late before whether that might have an effect with a, a setting sun perhaps causing some some visual problems I mean, it's still August yeah. in the middle of Europe, so I reckon it will won't be too many issues. Um, and it's 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 quite an open area in the middle of an apron of an air, old airfield, I think. Yeah, the the track is quite a brutal track on the cars and well on the tires because it's very abrasive. So we could see tire wear, which is something we don't normally see mm. in And with it being in 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 August and track temperatures are going to be above 30 you'd think so reliability could be a key part and if you know if say Mitch Evans is leading the race but then has a problem and loses 25 points that could be the difference between win between winning and losing the championship uh yeah shall we yeah, I was going to save this for the end of the, for the end of the podcast. Since we're talking about the championship contenders, shall we have a go at saying who's going to be champion after the six races? Ready, Mitch Evans. Mitch Evans. Joe. Uh, I'm going to back BMW and Max Gunter. Oh, good choice. That's, good what, choice. that's what I was going to say. Really? Uh, oh man. Yeah. That's that's I'm a good gonna, that's a good choice. I'm gonna go with the grassy. Yeah. Let, let's all ignore the person who's losing the champions. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just oh that's Jeff's so team. Weird. It is. Yeah. Uh and yeah, Onvert, he is the defending champion, two time champion. He's had some bad luck. Do you think the break will have helped him one and how do you think he will he be forced to play a number two role for for, for Antonio? I think Santiago made it kind of look like that there wasn't so much of a team game from Jeff's perspective. He was, you could you could see his he had tapped the wall somewhere and the front bodywork of his car was essentially hanging off, and then his steering suspension was getting issues from that. But he was still defending from De Costa, who, if he had got past Jeff a lap or two earlier, probably would have won that race. Because I think Gunter passed him close, pretty much right at the end to take his first win. So I think. Because of the teamwork there, I think it it lends itself to me that it's kind of like it's still Jeff's team. Um, I think he has a stake in it somewhere, um, and I think that if there's a chance to back Jeff, the team will try and still to back Jeff. He's the two-time champion for the team, and that would have been made clear, I think, to DeCosta on the signing. But mm. but then DeCosta is that far ahead in the championship that depending, I think, I think. You say it's going to be about collecting points, but I think for De Costa, it's going to be about really cementing it so that he can get the team behind him for the first few races. Otherwise, yeah. I think it's going to be fair game between the DS to cheated drivers. I think that could be a problem for some teams. Say Lucas Degrassi, he's got Rene Rast, who if he has the pace, he could help him. You know, by backing the pack up or yeah. you know, make causing trouble for, for for other teams. Whereas BMW with Sims and Gunter, because they're both possibly going for the championship, they can't really really use team orders. So it, it 
yeah, the, the number two driver, if there is a number two driver in the team, could play a huge factor, I think. So, yeah. Indeed. Uh, yeah. And that's why I'm uh, back at Mitch Evans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know what... Yeah, I, I don't want to say now. <laughs> well, so on, just, on Harriet Vern, he also... He said the break might have been good with two retirements at the start of the season, but his last two results were a fourth and a third. He was starting to get some some momentum. Yeah, it's not a victory that we expect from from Jeff, but he was starting to get momentum and he's you know 36 points behind his teammate now. The first few races, it will still be your equal drivers, you race against each other. But if Jeff doesn't get big points and catches up, he will he will have to swallow his pride and help his teammate out as much as it'll hurt him. Mm. Yeah, there's just so much. With six races, we have really, it's, it's hard to guess what's going to, to happen, really. I think that's that's the key thing. Uh, further down the order, Nissan, I think for me, they've been the disappointment yeah. so, from what we've seen this season. Did, are you surprised by the form so far in the first five races, Danny? I, I, from the first race, I was a bit like, wow, Ollie Rowland's getting in the mix here. He's about fourth or fifth in the majority of the race. This could be a bit more his year because he came in in season five as a last minute, last minute um, employment. And he, I think he got the most pole positions in that season of any driver. Nissan definitely did as a team. And, but they only got one win last year. So it was a bit, I, there's a bit like mm, they're not really converting so much as they used to when Buemi was in his glory years um, of season two and three. Um, but I, I think they have really been disappointing. You'd expect them to sort of develop on their just supreme one lap pace to be able to then bring in the race pace, but they just sort of step back a bit comparatively to everyone else somehow. And I can't really put a finger on it. I mean, yeah, Buemi got a podium in Mexico, but that's the high point of the season for Nissan. Yeah, I think I think they struggle with race pace because I I remember last year they'd had a lot of pole positions, didn't they? With with Roland, even though Roland was a rookie, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they have that form back. And the newer teams, Porsche and Mercedes, new to season six of Formula E. Joe, are you how how impressed are you? I guess with with the form because they seem to have come in and they seem to be right right there to, towards the front, at least for for Mercedes. Yeah, absolutely with Mercedes. You know, Stoffel van Dorn, it helps being a driver of his quality, starting with two podiums, as you mentioned. He's what, joint fifth with uh, with Degrassi on 38 points at the moment. He's, you know, could well be uh, someone who plays a major part in the championship. And Nick de Vries as well, he's, as a rookie coming in, you know, deciding Formula E over Formula One. Maybe that was his choice. Maybe it was the teams in F1 who decided he wasn't good enough. Who knows? Uh, but he's... For a rookie, he's done okay. A couple of standout results, but other than that, he's been he's been a bit average, I think. But Porsche has been for me a disappointment. You know, Neil Jarney's not scored a point. Maybe we didn't expect him to. Um, you know, he's looking at him and Lotter. Lotter was always going to be the number one, but he's not scored the points. I think he should have done, despite that podium. You know, eighteen points in the first round, and he's had what four points after that since. It's not yeah. really enough. The pace is there for Porsche. I mean, Lotterer got pole, super pole in, in Mexico, but he was just yeah. muscled out of the way by Mitch Evans and just fell away. And then he was disqualified, actually, from that race. Um, 
but yeah, I think you're exactly right about Neil Jarney. It's just he's been he's a he's a really competent and capable driver. He's just not clicked in Formula E. So I don't really know what to say about that. And the fact that the rumblings are already there for his replacement in Pascal Hairline is is telling. I think there's there's a lot to say for Mercedes having had their HWA guys last year. They've come in and Van Dorn's really been able to capitalise and having had a year in Formula E as the sort of, you know, VIP guest and he's now there as a full on contender, I think. And I think De Vries actually I think he's done all right to match that. Mm. And Van Van Dorn, he obviously got be- beaten quite heavily by Fernando Alonso this final season in F1. The way he's bounced back in Formula E, especially this season, has been quite incredible, really. And, yeah, how, how do you think... How much how much of an effect do you think his F1 career had and the way he's been a- able to bounce back in, in Formula E? Um, I think it's it's the fact he's gone to another works team in Mercedes. It's a big it's a big organisation. Obviously, he's not he's working closely with the F1 side as well. I think he's still, I think even though he's racing Formula E and he has been the two years, I think he's still got his eyes on there might be a seat opening perhaps at Williams really? in a couple of years' time. Maybe there's a role for him there, and he'll, I'm sure he'll want to go back to F1. So I think if you could ask any driver, they would rather be in F1 than Formula E. I think you know Formula E is great, but you're not racing against the best in the fastest cars with the biggest eye like crowd watching you. So I think he would prefer to be there. But touching on Freddie said Nissan with a sort of a disappointment of the season, but they're in the team's championship. They're fourth above Mercedes, above Audi, above Virgin. You know they're doing yeah. all right, but they haven't set the world alight like some others have. Mm. That's an interesting thing you said there, because I have the feeling that Vern, uh, he had the chance to go back to F1 a couple of years yeah. ago, didn't he? But he didn't take it. So I don't know. I think some drivers, a bit like Van Orn, maybe they still have one eye on F1, but I think some are quite happy with Formula E, which says a lot about how much it's grown in, in the last few years. I think Jeb was very open about it in the Amigo Green Formula E advert film. film. Um, and he seemed, I mean, he was still a bit candid and still a bit coy about it. But yeah, they seem to heavily imply that he got an offer to go to Toro Rosso, I think, um, in a similar way to what they did with Brendan Hartley and um, give him a, another shot. But he, I think, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's so happy in Formula E, Jeff. His, his mental state is so much better than it was when he was in Formula One. And he's, he's come on leaps and bounds in his self and I think you think you're right Formula E has given that opportunity to a few more drivers of of a sort of you know a, a place to be rather than just you know making up the numbers that they had in Formula 1 I've got a question for you both would you rather be an F1 driver but in the midfield or towards the back or be a Formula E driver but contend for wins and maybe the, the championship Joe? Oh, why do you have to throw it to me first? <laughs> um, honestly, I would still rather be an F1 right now. For the money. Partly. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all students after all. We need every penny we can get. Yeah. Um, but it's not just that. The, the racing in the midfield, I know you're not, you won't be standing on the podium all that often unless 
you know, your Toro Rosso in a rain affected race or something. But but it's just it's the excitement of the racing. It's so close that you know you have to do the perfect lap to get the position you warrant. Yeah, Freddie. Yeah, Fort Mayfield. Come on. Mm. I, 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 I would go with, well, depending on how big are the differences in, in the money, I, I will admit that is a fact. Uh, <laughs> For when it happens, I, yeah. Yeah. Fornery <laughs> just, oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm edging towards Formula E just because I feel it's on an upward trend and it's growing, whereas mm. F1 is. Well, F1's growing as well in a way, but not as much. So, I don't know. It's, it's an inter- people always like to compare Formula 1 and Formula E. So, I just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, really. How about but, if we say you could go to Formula E or IndyCar? Formula E. Formula oh, E, mean, but the, but the Indy 500. <laughs> yeah, but I'd, I'd go IndyCar for the 500. Oh, that's it. I would, yeah, I'll the do the, is much better than in Monaco will ever be. Yeah, you nice hotel. <laughs> and if you do win the Indy 500, not only do you get some nice milk, the glory that comes with that as well. It, it, Big I would trophy. Say it's bigger, yeah, it, it's bigger than the four. Felipe world. Massa. Yeah, Massa. Well, Massa hasn't been doing... Um, Massa's been very disappointed as well yes. this season. Like, yes, he it doesn't help with the old... Stereotype that always oh, just from retired F1 drivers, really. But, well, mm. I guess it does help because he's been beaten by so many drivers. That it kind of suggests that, uh, how do you say, like the because Massa's been beaten, the caliber of Formula E is in set, yeah, 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 and it, and it has grown a lot. The, the field, if you compare it to season one and the field now, I'd yeah. say one of the strongest things is that the field has grown so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's what a twenty four car strong grid, and it's got um, Formula Two champions, GP two champions, Le Mans winners, um, a Formula One vice champion in Massa. Who, yes, we're talking about, which as a stat is great, but we're talking about how he's being, how they're beating a Formula One vice champion. So, the caliber of a Formula E field is fantastic. Definitely, you look at Massa's teammate Eduardo Mortara. He's there are five races, four points finishes. He's thirty points clear of his of his teammate as well. Yeah, and, and he, took, he took a win and he took the win in Hong Kong last year, didn't he? Uh, Did he not get the score. Oh no, Bird got, got disqualified. disqualified. I thought he spun, unless that was someone else. I think it was Roland who spun or Lotter spun. I can't remember that. That might have been Sanya I'm getting mixed up with. Uh, yeah, someone's spun. It's been a while. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but Mortara's a point ahead of John Ray Vern in the championship, and I don't think you'd rule Vern out just yet. That's true. Because you can't really rule Mortara out either. Let's put a bet on yeah. Mortara for the championship. <laughs> Venturi getting the championship would not be what we'd have <laughs> at all at any point, I think. And yeah, that's one of the great things that a team like Venturi can fight with the big manufacturers. Mm. Well, that's another thing I love about formerly. But yeah. Do we all think the championship will go down to the last race? Are we willing to place a bet on that? Or do you think someone like DeCosta or Evans might run, might run away with it? I think Joe mentioned it earlier that these are actually quite big gaps in the championship table for Formula E. And there is the potential for someone to run away with it. 
And yeah. I think, oh, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it's just completely, it's completely off the wall to say yes and no. <laughs> like yes, we've got the Costa with an eleven-point gap to Evans, and then a pretty much a twenty-point gap to third place uh, Sims, I think. And so he could just, if he wins another race, and his his rivals are sort of out of it because of the, the Super Bowl, how that works, um, then that could leapfrog him well clear. But then also, if there's a poor result for for him, then it could swallow him up. So it really depends on what happens to Costa. Despite neither of none of us. Saying he'll win the title. <laughs> uh, I think for for my prediction to to go right, I think it does have to go down to the last race. I don't see how Gunter can be twenty six or whatever points clear <laughs> going into that final race. But what we perhaps overlooked with De Costa is his last three finishes have been two seconds and a first. Yeah, yeah. and that you know maybe this big break will stop the momentum that he had. But if he if he picks up with another podium, I not sure anyone will beat him. Mm, that's a, I think I think he's yeah. definitely favourite. I'd have to say, yeah. I, well, I don't know why none of us have picked him. It sounds, it sounds yeah, silly. Now. Yeah. Just, we should all pick Edo Motara. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the great thing about Formula. I guess there's, there's well, the top ten can all win it really. But yeah, maybe yeah. Neo have found something in Oliver to through <laughs> to the title. <laughs> Maybe. That's a question. Do we think Neo will get any points? Because obviously Oliver Turvey was disqualified from his points in Saudi Arabia. The only points mm. that Neo got close to. Do we think? Do we think they'll get on the score sheet? I think. Yeah, I think every team. I'm going to say every team is going to score points. It's going to be. It's going to be mad, and every team is going to score points. That's my bold prediction. Yeah, I think they might look their way into a couple mm. if there's enough problems for other people especially reliability-wise, and we know that a Formula E race doesn't go without a little bit of wheel-banging here and there. Yeah. Uh, so I think they will get a couple, but I can't see them overtaking Dragon, for example, above them. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely going to be at least one crazy race, if not if not more. So, yeah, it's just going to be... Well, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, is there any final thoughts before... We finish things off to say on on what we think is going to happen or how excited you are maybe Freddie. oh i'm so excited honestly this championship just gives so much and you get so much competition you get so much racing and so much chaos that i honestly I, i've been waiting for this to come back and now we've got it all at once and i cannot wait i i yeah wednesday can't come soon enough <laughs> like a kid at christmas joe <laughs> Yeah, I echo that. I'm just quite excited for it to, for a race to be happening on a Wednesday for a change. We're usually planning Saturdays and Sundays down to the to the second, but now yeah. we've finally got some good Wednesday night telly. Yeah, it's going to be like a world. It's, for me, it feels like a football or, or rugby World Cup, just all <laughs> compact in the all at the same location. But yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, we did a podcast yesterday, didn't we, Freddie? Where, where, where can our viewers or listeners find that? They can find it on our YouTube channel, Winging It Podcast. Uh, we've got our Twitter page, Winging It F1, where you can get the links to our uh, Acast website. And you can also find our, all our podcasts on Spotify and iTunes. Yeah, so thanks for listening, I guess. Thanks for Joe for his first appearance on the show. Thanks to Freddie 
as always, we'll see you later in the week to preview the Silverstone thing that's going on again. And we'll be back next week as well for another F1 podcast. And we might do another Formula E podcast in the yeah, future. I think so. so. We'll, see you. we'll see you for that. Cheerio.